This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome to Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield. We are brought to you by Bower O'Day because the little things are everything. Today's guest is a man who's given much of his life to sport and probably there are a few people in Western Australia that have made a bigger impact at sport across all levels in the state. Terry Waldron, welcome to the show. Good morning, Mark, and good morning to all your listeners. Terry, it's been a sporting life for you, hasn't it? It's sort of, it's the way you started out. You st- probably started out with certain ambitions and you've probably finished off having an impact in a, in a completely different way to the way you started out. Yeah, Mark, there's no doubt that sport's been um, a huge part of my life. And I guess when I was, a, even as a little kid growing up on the farm at a little place called Jingle Up, about 20 kilometres southwest of Cochinup, um, I just naturally loved sport. My dad had played league football for Claremont. Uh, he played local footy for, and coached Cogenough, our local team. And my mum wasn't a sporting woman at all, but my dad was, and I just took to it. And um, I've loved it all my life and still love it to this very day. So you grew up on a farm. Yep. Tell us about the farm. So we had about 1,500 acres of... Um, it's a big farm uh, in those days. Yeah, just south of Cogenough. It was very good country. We grew... Um, Mainly ran merino sheep. My dad had stud Herefords and pole Hereford cattle, and we grew mixed grains, oats and barley, mainly in those days. Uh, it was a good, great little farm, and I went to a little school called Jingle Up. We had between 30 and about 60 kids in the time I was there. The only sport, junior sport in those days was at school. There was no junior sport in coaching up back in the late 50s, early 60s, and that's probably one, is one of the reasons I know my mum and dad sent me away to boarding school. Um, in year six, so I went very early. I was only 10 turning 11 when I went to boarding school. So that was at Hale? That was at Hale School. And people said to me, so Tuck, did you get um, homesick? And I said, oh, only a little bit, but I thought I'd died and gone to heaven because I had two sisters on the farm. Dad was busy and I can still see dad coming back uh, off the tractor really tired and I'd be waiting for him with the cricket bat or the footy and because um, my sisters weren't that keen on so when I went to Hale, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven because there was cricket bats and footballs and tennis rackets and all these boys to play sport with. I just loved it. Who were your major influences at Hale School? Uh, probably at Hale School, my major influence was no doubt in the cricket side of things was uh, Pop Longley, who's the grandfather of Luke, um, who was my teacher in year six, uh, Bert Mill, a teacher in year seven, Alice McMillan, who a lot of people would know, coached the first 18 football there for many years. Um, Bill Valley, who went on and played league footy for West Perth, Collingwood and Subiaco, was a fantastic player and Bill had a big influence on me as well. What was his role? Well, Bill was just a, was a mate and yeah. Bill came to boarding school, even though Bill lived in Perth, his parents sent him to boarding school. Um, he had a bit of devil in him, Bill, but terrific bloke, absolute, probably the greatest schoolboy footballer I ever saw. And on boarding weekends, Bill and I used to go down the oval and just have goal kicking competition after goal kicking competition. And I think that's being a boarder helped me develop my cricket and my football because that's mainly what I did on weekends was kick the footy, hit a tennis ball, um, hit a cricket ball. That's what we did. Did you see yourself at that time as a cricketer or a footballer primarily, you think? It's funny. All I ever wanted to do was go back to the farm and play footy and cricket for Kojina. I didn't have the lofty um, visions of uh, playing test cricket or playing league football. I didn't really think about it. And um, I left school and I can still remember, this might seem funny to some people, but the first night when I went to training with the Cajun Up Footy Club after pre-season, the first game, and um, I got picked. 
And I, I, you could have shot me then, Duff. So I was so happy that I was going to play league football for Cogent Up. And I guess it was in that year that um, my football developed, my cricket developed. I was very fortunate. We had a coach called Graeme Zilko. Yep. Graeme played league football for Swans, uh, was A-grade cricketer for Midland Guildford. In fact, I think won the A-grade bowling averages. His sport was curtailed a little bit. He lost an eye in the Midland workshops. He toughened me up from being the college boy footballer and cricketer, if you like, to toughen me up a bit. And um, that was a great year. That was 1969, so I've been around a while. And we won the premiership. So you were about, what, 17 or 18 at that stage, were you? Yeah, I was was 18. In my first year out of school, I was 18. Yeah. Yep. And this would have been in the Central Great Southern Football In the Central Great Southern. We actually won the premiership that year. Catanning Australs went through undefeated. Uh, they were the only team we lost to. We lost to them three times. They beat us in the second semi-final. They were in front by about three goals at three-quarter time in the grand final. A bit of a punch-up started, and uh, we kicked a couple of goals. I think they panicked a bit. We just got on a roll, and we won. So it was probably a very lucky premiership, but one I'll never forget. Cogenut wore Collingwood's jumpers, is that right? Yeah, they were we, black and white? We were the Magpies, uh, the mighty Cogenut Magpies. Very successful club in the, in the years in the – the uh, 70s in particular. Um, uh, my dad had coached Cogent up and um, he, he always told the story that he got into a grand final one year and I think East Perth played in the uh, grand final and if, anyway, on the Sunday, two or three boys didn't turn up for the grand final and they lost. So winning that premiership in 1969 was pretty special for me. And they're great. They've always been a great football club. They've struggled on the field a bit the last few years, but they're going very well at the moment and uh, I think they just missed the finals last year. They are now with the Lower South West and called the Cogent Up Cougars because they had to change their colours to blue and white like Carlton. There was a pretty decent football that came out of Cogent Up around about that time. Did you come across a Stephen Michael at any stage? I certainly did. Stephen's younger than me and uh, I didn't play against Stephen at, at Cogent Up because I was at Hale School and when I left and played the season at home, Stephen would just be playing school football then at Cogent Up. But in my last year of playing for Claremont, uh, was Stephen's first year, if I remember rightly, at South. And I always remember him in a scratch match. We played South in the pre-season scratch match. And there he is, and he just sort of gave me a little wink and a thumbs up. And I thought, God, this kid can play a bit. I reckon he mightn't go too bad. Well, the rest is history, isn't it? Mind you, there's a couple other good ones. A guy called Peter Bell wasn't bad. And um, also Simon Outhwaite, who I always think was underrated. Simon Outhwaite was from Cajun Up. Yeah, Jingle Up boy. I'm a Jingle Up boy south of Cajun Up. Simon was from Jingle Up, just up the road from me. Um... Probably not the prettiest football you ever saw, Simon. He also went to Hale School, and um, but had a great career with South Fremantle. 29 games for Claremont. Yep. How did that come about? Well, I I went to Claremont before country zoning. Uh, country zoning had, hadn't come in when I went in 1970. I went to Claremont, I guess, because I'd always followed them. My dad had played for Claremont. I did get approached by a couple of other clubs after the Great Southern Carnival in 1969. But my heart was with Claremont and um, I got no regrets. I mean, I would have liked to have had a, a better league career at Claremont, but uh, it was a great period of my life, made so many friends and has helped me through my association with Claremont. Like all of my sport has helped me throughout my whole life. So what sort of player were you? Where did you play? I was a rover. I, I, so I who got, was keeping you out of the team? <laughs> well, when I when I first got there, I mean, there was Buzz Parkinson and Bruce Duperuzel. And then I got in in 1971. Well, I played a couple of games in 70. 71, I had a good year. But then they recruited Bob Greenwood from Essendon yeah. and Ross Parker came over. And I struggled a bit. And that's why I, I think I only played four or five games that year. 
And that's why I went to South Adelaide and had a season over there. And yeah. I probably should have stayed. But look, it all worked. In the end, it all works out. And um, my, my memories are great. And um, I always remember you say, where did I play? I roved, except one day I played in the back pocket. And when Verdon Howe was coach, he said to me, I'd had a good game. I'd played reserves the week before. And in the last quarter of that reserves game, we were kicking into the breeze. And I played a loose man defence and had a pretty good last quarter. So suddenly I thought I was a back pocket player. So I lined up on Larry Kickett. East Perth absolutely belted us. Larry kicked about nine, I think. He kicked about four or five on me before they moved him. And Larry tells the story every time. But every time Larry tells it, he's kicked 13 or 15 on me. (laughs) But I I always say to Larry, thank you very much, Larry. They never played me in the back pocket again, Duff. (laughs) (laughs) What was your time at South Adelaide like? Wonderful. Um, If I had a regret, I probably should have stayed another year. But, you know, you... You meet ladies and things like this happen in your life. and But I had a great year at South Adelaide. I, I played 17 games of league football. I missed two or three with injury. And I also played cricket for Kensington. And um, I was disappointed because I'd left Claremont Cottesloe, uh, who were going well at Christmas. And then I played the second half with Kensington. Claremont Cottesloe, my old team, won the flag. So I was bitterly disappointed about that. But Kensington also won the flag in South Ad- in South Australia, so I was pretty lucky. I virtually was a member of two premiership teams in the one year. So, no, it was good, and and met a lot of good people, and uh, still got good friends in Adelaide from that from that year over there. We'll take a break, and we'll be back with your return to Cojan Up and your burgeoning career as a country footballer and cricketer. This is inspiring sports stories with Mark Duffield on SEN. This is uh, Tuck Waldron, a man who's given much of his life to to sport at many levels across many fronts in Western Australia. We're brought to you thanks to Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEN. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEN. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield. Thanks to Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. With me in the studio is Terry Waldron, a man who gave much of his life to country and metropolitan football and cricket in Western Australia. Tuck, that's your nickname. Where does it come from? It's a bit of an average story, really. When I was a baby, I had what's called a pyloric stenosis, a little valve between your stomach and your intestine. Mine was blocked and they couldn't clear it. So I was I spent my first five months in Princess Margaret Hospital and I was fed intravenously, but eventually they managed to clear it. So I'd never eaten in my life. And when mum and dad took me home to the farm and I started to eat properly, apparently I didn't stop and I made an absolute pig of myself. <laughs> So they called me a tucker box and I've just been tucked ever since, except when I was at Hale School where my nickname was Pigeon for seven years at Hale School. So I always know an old Halian because they call me Pidge. But why, why Pigeon? The first night I was there as a boarder, we had little sand bombs. It was a new school out at Wembley Downs and there was all these little bits of hard sand and we used to throw them around. We were having a sand fight and I was eyeing this bloke off and he looked at me and he said, you've got eyes like those pigeons. And that was it. I was Pigeon from that moment onwards. Simple as that. So you mentioned about going to Adelaide and, and feeling like you could have made perhaps something more of that, but um, meeting women. When did you meet Nolene, your wife? Oh, I didn't meet Nolene for a lot later. I've actually been married twice. but um, So I was married to my first wife, Cassie, for seven years, and we have two daughters. Yep. Uh, and then, I, then when that marriage 
I didn't work out. I was a single parent for a couple of years, three years, and but I met Nolene, who typical uh, country bloke. Nolene was a school teacher, and uh, Nolene was brave enough to take on myself with two young daughters, and we've since had had two more children. So we've got four daughters, uh, and um, yeah, we're, I'm very lucky. Four daughters, four grandkids, and very happy. I still see Cassie and her husband Robert. Um, we we got over that, and um, uh, in fact. It's quite a story. When I went back coaching, coaching up, I actually rang Robert up. This is about three or four years after it all happened and uh, got him to come back and play because he was a good footballer, mate, and helped us win another premiership. So there you go. Did you still see yourself primarily as a footballer at that point? Like when did cricket sort of took over after after a time? Didn't yeah, it, it was sort of funny. I, I never sort of held one over the other. I, people say, oh, you probably did better at cricket than football, but I love them both, and I end up coaching in both fields, and I love coaching and I love the administrating. When I went back to coaching, I guess I coached. I went back and coached, coaching up for the next three years as a playing coach, played another couple of years, and then retired. Um, and with cricket, I just went back and played uh, local club cricket and coaching up. Some of the most enjoyable cricket I played was my country club cricket. Like There's a thousand funny stories from club cricket. but And I loved country week, and of course that led to being picked in the country 11 and and that career came as well. So one thing led to the other, and um, I was pretty lucky. I was just probably in the right place at the right time. You mentioned a flag. You got you got a flag as a coach? Yeah, yeah. I coached coaching up for three years as a playing coach and three years as a non-playing coach. Got us to four grand finals, so won two and lost two. So so it was a 50-50 coach. But, no, we yeah, coached two, two premierships, which I'm very proud of, and um, – Still great memories. You know what it's like, Duff. You know, we have the reunions. And I can remember in 1988 when I was a non-playing coach, we had a good team. and Cookeran were a very strong team in the association back then. And uh, I remember saying to my players, because Koji hadn't won for a while in those in the 80s, and saying that you get sick of hearing the old stories from guys like me in the 70s, you know, make your own history, all that sort of stuff. And I always promised them the reunions. And we have those reunions quite regularly, and they are fantastic. And that's what I love about sport is that, I guess some of my best mates now are guys who I played against and, and guys who I even had rumbles with on the footy field are now, you know, my best mates. And um, that's what I love about sport. Describe yourself as a footballer. Um, I was a goal-kicking rover. Probably some people would say a bit hungry. I didn't mind kicking a goal, Duff. I like kicking a goal. Um, probably one thing I probably lacked, I probably lacked that little bit of extra pace, but uh, I, was, I was a pretty good kick and um, – Love kicking goals. I, I mean, I was—I think I was. Look, I was a on-the-edge league footballer in the seventies, um, and probably you know quite a reasonable, good country footballer. But um, enjoyed every minute of it. What was the? How fierce was the cricket competition down in Cojunup? It was really funny because Cojunup we had a four-team competition. We played at the same ground in Cojunup. In Cojunup, we played at the same ground. Uh, so the, the ovals inter, interlapped. So you could be, if you're fielding at deep square leg, you had to watch the bloke on the other wicket because if he could square cut one into the back of your head if you weren't careful. We had, Coach Nutt was very lucky. Um, we had, it wasn't, wouldn't say it was an overly strong competition, but we probably had 15 to 20 very good cricketers. And in 1980, we won A-grade Country Week uh, as a four-team association. And we had, we had some very good cricketers. Unfortunately, now Coach Nutt doesn't have a cricket team. So that's very sad. However, I understand their junior cricket's going well. So as long as the kids are getting the opportunity, that's good. Describe yourself as a cricketer. Um, yeah, I, 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 have, I love my cricket. I, I'm a left I was a left-handed batsman and a wicketkeeper. I, people said, how come you became a wicketkeeper? 
I worked out pretty early duff, so I couldn't bowl very well. I wasn't a great bowler, but I could always catch. And um, I always remember my mum at the school bus stop. We'd wait to get for the school bus going to Jingle Up School. And I'd have mum on the other side of the cocky gate fence chucking catches to me. And um, so I love being in the game. So wicket keeping was a natural for me. I usually batted at three. Um, and when I went to played at Claremont Cottesloe, I was batting at seven to start with. And then I ended up opening the batting for two or three seasons. But, um, and at country 11, I kept wickets and batted three for quite a few years. And then as I got a bit older, but was still playing, I dropped down to six, which I probably should have done a bit earlier. But um, love batting. I was an attacking batsman, probably to my own detriment sometimes. I wished I could have played 2020. <laughs> I, I, I love the 2020 cricket. I'm a traditionalist, but I love the three forms of cricket. Mm. I think it's been great for cricket. Um, yeah, just enjoyed it and some fantastic memories of cricket. Uh, great stories, great mates, and I've been very fortunate in my cricket career. You ended up working for elders. How did that come about? Yeah, of- I, um, it, was, it was interesting because I, I ran my own real estate business and for many years, and then when my mum passed away, it got a bit harder and that. So I, I got elders offered me a position. So I managed Elders Real Estate and it was one of the best things I did because got me in with a team. I guess I'm someone who I love working with teams, always have loved the team environment. Um, and that's probably why I wouldn't, wouldn't have been as good a tennis player or golfer. It's a bit more individual. And my, I had five years with Elders and it was a great time because I guess my sport got me well known throughout um, the Great Southern and Upper Great Southern regions. Then selling farms in particular, I did that. I, I was in real estate for 17 years, five years with elders and 12 years running my own business. So I got to know a lot of people selling farms across the region. And then I became a football and cricket development officer when I went to all the schools in the upper Great Southern, Great Southern. And I did that for three years. That helped me greatly when I moved on to my political career, which we'll probably chat about later, but because um, people got to know me and I got to know people and the region. So you were still based there at that point when you yep. were at a football development officer? You yep. were working for the football commission? Yes, I work. What happened was I, I took a punt. I, I just got, I'd been involved in real estate for 17 years and I'd had enough of it. I, I think I just had enough and I needed a change. I took a big um, pay drop and became a cricket development officer for six months hoping that the football job would come on board because there were no football development officers at that stage. However, during my six months with cricket, football started and I got, got that position. And it was those three years where I was the cricket officer in the, in the summer, the football development officer in the winter, that led me to gaining my role um, when they wanted to have a general manager of country football. I applied and was fortunate enough to get the position. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEN. We're brought to you thanks to Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEN. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEN. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to SEN's Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield. Thanks to Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. With me in the studio, Terry Waldron. Terry, you had a, a magnificent representative country sporting career. We, we'll, we'll get to the cricket a bit later, but first of all, tell us about your representative footy career. Oh, well, when I went back, 
to, I guess when I left school and went home to Cogenhub, I played at one year and I played carnival football for Central Great Southern and made the Great Southern 20 and that's probably helped me get to Claremont. But when I came back at the, and started in season 76 and coached Cogenhub, um, I, I played um, for many years then in the Central Great Southern Association team. I coached that team for three years, I think. We were we ac- actually won the Great Southern Carnival. Um, uh, during that time, I probably played some of my best footy, even though it was country footy, and, and I was lucky to win the association medal on three occasions. It's a funny thing, I, w- I won the association medal on three occasions, Duff, but I only ever won coaching ups fairest and best twice. And I won it a decade apart. I won it in 1969 and 1980. But I'm sort of proud of that because we had a lot of good footballers come through. And, um, you know, I was very, I think I became a much more team-oriented player as well. But um, loved the association football. Um, played with some really, really good players and uh, have some great memories from it. How tough was the Central Grey Southern as a competition? Look, it was a really good competition. Um, I guess... Especially when Cooker and Dumbayung came in, uh, we um, we used to have great rivalry with Tambalup, who were had a lot of young Noongar boys, some great players, and of course, you know I played against Jeffrey Farmer Senior, Jeffrey Farmer Junior's dad, who was fantastic. And in fact, the, you know the commentator Jimmy Hull. I always remember Jimmy commentating saying, "And Roger Farmer gets the ball and gets it over to Johnny Farmer, who gets it on to Kim Farmer and gets it to." to uh, Jeffrey Farmer, the coolest farmer of them all. (laughs) (laughs) Talked about sport and the importance of sport and its role, particularly in a country town, but no sport is more the central hub of the community than the footy club, isn't it? Oh, no. It meant everything. And I I, I can always remember we used to get good crowds and we'd be back at the hotel on a Sunday night because the hotel was our club rooms. All our support. Which pub was that? The bottom bottom hotel. We did change. We did have a time when we were at the top. We tried to share it a bit. But I always remember one night we had this great rivalry with Tambler. And, and Tamblup beat us this day, and I wasn't that happy. But I always remember back at the club on trophies saying, well, look, uh, Tamblup won the battle today, but the war goes on, and uh, the war did go on. Unfortunately, Tamblup don't have a footy team now, but a lot of their young fellas um, will play for Wanderers or down to Mount Barker, whatever. Let's get on to cricket. Yeah. Now, you played, you mentioned, and we, we brushed over this a bit, but your career at Claremont Cottesloe that, that, yeah. that got you started as a top-level cricketer. Yeah, I was lucky. I... I um, I went to Claremont Cotton, played third grade for two games, and then we I got picked in the state countryside to play the uh, state side at Country Week. And it was when Lily and Massey and Terry Alderman were all bowling and Tony Locke was captain coach. And I made 45, I think, that day against Lily and all those guys and, um, you know, to had a good day. And next week I was playing A-grade cricket. Made a duck in my first game um, and wasn't keeping wickets. Ross Edwards was keeping wickets. But Ross wanted to concentrate on his batting, so I got the gloves and then I did never looked back really, and I played consistently A-grade cricket for Claremont Cottesloe, except when I went over to Adelaide for the year where I played for Kensington. But when I came back, I played for Claremont Cot and had great, great time there and still very proud of the club. And, um, and then, of course, went back and started my country cricket again. So tell us about your career with the state country cricket team. Yeah, I was, pretty, I, I was at a very lucky era. Um, I, they picked the country 11. We, I'd played against England in 1970 in Narragin, played against England. And then when I went back, I got picked for the country 11 and we, we played against one of the touring sides. I can't remember who it was now. And then, um, thanks to Neil Ballard, who was chair of the country cricket board, he got the country 11 into the Toyota Cup, which was the 
Premier Cricket, A-grade cricket, one-day competition. And for the next 12 years, I captained the country 11 playing in that competition. We got to the final one year. Um, we lost to Bayswater Morley under lights at the Wacker. Um, and, and in that time, I played, I think all in all, I've played over 20 games against international sides. Very fortunate and was lucky to get a few runs occasionally. And then that led to the Australian Country Cricket Carnival, which I was part of for about seven years and, and had quite, you know, I was lucky enough to do quite well there and, and was lucky enough to captain the Australian country team, which I'm always very proud of and proud to be, you know, be. I was selected in the, um, they picked a team of the century for the 100 years of Country Week Cricket and I was very proud to be part of that team. I think I'm the only one who hasn't played state cricket that's in that team. I would have called you, and I've seen you bat, I, <laughs> Streaky? I would have, no, I would have called you pugnacious, a, pug, a pugnacious left hand. I saw you get a half century against the West Indies at the Bunbury Recreational Oval. Yep. I reckon it was 83, 84 around there. What was it like? Because the West Indies were out here a lot. Yeah. We, we in played, in fact, we played against, played against the West Indies four times and we, we actually got to know them quite well. And look, it was fantastic. What an experience to be able to face... Garner and Marshall and Holding and all these all these players. So what was that like? It was it was fantastic. I loved it because I I made up my mind. I thought these guys are better than me. They're going to get me in the end. So I, you know, I tried to keep the good ball out, but I tried to score. I did see some players when they played against them just tried to survive, but you had to try and score. And and I want to be open and honest. You know, sometimes they weren't flat out. Sometimes they were. When you started to get on top of them or looked like you might beat them, then they got serious. But um, you know, like the game in Bunbury, they were very serious for a while and then they had us four or five down and they brought on Richie Richardson and I think Larry Gomes might have bowled them and I managed to hit a few sixes that day. But we got to a stage where we looked like we could win, but they brought back the quicks pretty yeah. quickly then yeah. to make sure we couldn't win. But it was, what a great experience. And they were fantastic blokes um, to, and I tell a couple of funny stories. Um, up at Corrigan, uh, we had a streaker at Corrigan and I'll never forget it. He streaked across the field, but what he forgot was that the paddock next door was full of double G's and he <laughs> raced to the paddock next door and, 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 and the double G's pulled him up quick smart. And, uh, the other thing was there afterwards, someone said to me, that was a great bit of captaincy tuck. The way you lured Viv Richards to play that little cut shot and you caught him behind. I said, mate, that wasn't great captaincy. I was just trying, I was just trying to think where I could put him. And he, the bloke thought I'd taken the slip out to try and encourage Viv to play that shot. I just took the slip out to try and stop the damage, mate. <laughs> so, but, but terrific, terrific opportunity. And I think, you know, I was, um, we played Australian country 11 against touring sides as well. Uh, so I played against them all except South Africa who weren't obviously playing then, but I played against all the other sides and Bangladesh weren't playing then. We talk about, we, we often talk about great footballers that didn't play, you know, yep. AFL or whatever. Can you remember any great cricketers that you think would have, could have if they, if they would have wanted to? Yeah, look, I think there's a guy called Miles Obst who used to open the bowling for us and Miles from Minganew was very quick, took four, three or four wickets, four or five weeks maybe against England up in Geraldton. And big Miles, I just think, wasn't quite dedicated enough. But I'm sure if he had a he, – later on in life, he became dedicated and got really fit. If he would had done that when he was a bit younger. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think of other cricketers. Obviously, there was a guy called Terry Paini at Kojinup who was a very good player, um, both football and cricket, but never sort of left Koji, but probably could have gone on to better things. And, and Ryan Big with the football, of course, definitely could have. Your 
role with the West Australian Football Commission and the and the Country Football League. That sort of it, as a little bit of a a shift again in your in your administrative career, wasn't it? Uh, it was. It was the best decision I ever made in my life was to leave my beloved coaching up. I still love Koji, Don't get me wrong, but professionally, I took the punt to move my family to Perth and manage country football. It was a wonderful experience. I was the first ever manager of country football. They just used to have a secretary, but the commission saw it needed to get more professional. And the the nearly 10 years I did that uh, was fantastic. I learned a hell of a lot. I had a great chairman in John Lussick, who unfortunately passed away earlier this morning, Duff, at nearly 93. But John, fantastic administrator and terrific bloke, taught me a hell of a lot, probably toughened me up in my administration. And um, yeah, it was a real turning point in my life because... I think it, it upskilled me a hell of a lot and it, it led to me going into politics and and um, so I'll be forever grateful. And the friends I made in that period, I was also secretary, became secretary of the Australian Country Football Council. We used to run the Australian Country Carnival, which is one of the best things that, for country footy. I'm really sad it doesn't happen anymore. It still should be there. Um, but that's life. Things change. We'll take another break. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield. We have in the studio with us Terry Waldron, a person who's made a great contribution to sport in Western Australia. We are brought to you thanks to Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield. Thanks to Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. Tuck Waldron, we're into the early 90s now. You're now a sports administrator as opposed to a sportsman. You're working with the West Australian Football Commission. It came at a, at a period of massive change in football, didn't it? When the, when the game started to be run completely different to the way it had always been run. Yeah. And it was, and I probably did, it took me a while to realize we were going through change. I guess I was so focused on, on the country football side of things. Uh, I love the role because I've always believed that country football is so important. You mentioned it yourself, Duff, earlier that, you know, the town hangs around footy, the social life of a town uh, hangs around the footy in that winter season. And so to be managing country football was I learned a heap uh, going to the football commission. I had some really good people around me. Jeff Ovens was the CEO and Jeff and Peter Tannock was the chair of the football commission. And they copped a lot of criticism at times, but they were very strong when football needed some strong leadership. And I'm not saying they got everything right, but they put football on the, on the right path, I believe. And particularly for country football, um, you know, once I'd established myself in the role, I got a, a you know, a license pretty much to um, run country footy. We made lots of changes. And I, I can still remember when with umpiring, with David Johnson and Peter Trude, we brought in the card system, uh, copped a lot of criticism, and I used to cop it from my mates when I went out to the country. But it was one of the best things because one of the problems in country footy, particularly if you're a good player, there was some pretty dangerous stuff happened at times. And you would have seen it, Duff, in your own experience, to the point where that I think it would, it would have ended up cost, you know, people would, some people wouldn't have played the game. And um, the card system, I think, it had its um, problems early on, but once it got, got people got used to it, I think it's been a great thing. 
Why then the shift to politics in 2001? <laughs> well, it's really amazing. People ask me, I, I'd, never, I'd never been a member of a political party. Um, I had to join the Nationals to stand for pre-selection. Um, but I'd always had an interest in, in politics. I'd always, always, always had an interest in um, how life worked, I guess. But I was staunchly, I've always been fiercely pro-country. I've always represented the country, whether it be in sport, uh, in my business life, I represented the countryside of things when I worked for elders and in the real estate world. And and I just always felt that the, I saw the inequities. In my 10 years of running country footy, I'd be up and down the country and around, and I, and I could see the inequities between the city and the country. And in the end, I thought, I got approached by the National Party because I was reasonably well known in the area. And at the stage, I said no. I hadn't really thought about it, but it got me thinking about it. And then they came to me and Bob Weiss, who was a sitting member for the member for Wagen, was going to retire. And I thought, hell, if I'm ever going to do it, it's now or never. And I'd, I'd look to, because in, even at that time, opportunities in the sports administration, well, weren't, there weren't lots of opportunities around. I talked with Jeff Ovens, who was the, um, the CEO at the Football Commission. Jeff really encouraged me. Jeff's attitude was, if we get a football person involved in state politics, that's going to be good for football. Mm. So I bit the bullet and went for it. And I still remember the night I got elected, I came home to my wife and I said, bloody hell, I'm in, you know? And I said, but I don't know whether I'm going to like it or not. So I said, if I don't like it, I'm going to have to guts the next four years out. But I loved it because politics really is, it's about people. And I think one of my strengths is I'm, I'm usually reasonably good with people. And I just loved it. It's just common sense. There's lots of stuff you've got to learn, the political side of it, the parliament, et cetera. But that was all exciting. And um, yeah, I had 16 years and it's probably the best 16 years of my life. You moved back, you moved to Narragin? I right? moved to Narragin. Look, Cojanup, my old hometown was in the uh, electorate and people said, oh, why didn't you go back to Cojanup? Would have been on the fringe though, wouldn't it? It was, it was on the southern edge. Plus it was closer. You're up and down to Perth quite a lot. And yep. uh, Narragin was closer. There was government officers in Narragin. It was the biggest centre. People from the electorate could come through Narragin on their way to Perth. So it made sense to me. And um, it was a wonderful 16 years living in Narragin. I, I absolutely loved it. And, um, you know, is a terrific place. And the, the, I, the best part for me about being a poly was just my local electorate work. I loved it. I loved the people. You know, you have your ups and downs and people aren't always happy with you, but generally it was great experience. I probably learnt more in those 16 years than I did in the rest of my life. So when did you become Minister for Sport? I became Minister for Sport after the 2008 election and I was Minister for six and a half years. I, I chose to step down a couple of years before the election because I'd made up my mind. I'd been in Parliament for 16 years and I was going to retire, so I stepped down. But when I, uh, and you know, I still remember it, and Colin Barnett was the Premier and called me in and said, we want you to be Minister for Sport. So I was elated, nervous. He said, but I've got another job for you. And I said, what's that? And that was Minister for Racing, Gaming and Liquor. And I thought, ooh, because <laughs> I, um, it's quite funny. One of my mates rang me up to congratulate me and he said, well, Tuck, good on you, mate. He said, sport? Well, you know sport. He said, racing? He said, you know a bit about the horses. Uh, gaming? I don't know you know much about it. He said, liquor? He said, I don't know you know much about it, but at least you're damn well qualified. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> I do, I don't mind having a little, little a drink now and then. But it was a wonderful experience. Um, a guy called Ian Taylor, who used to lead the Labor Party, Deputy Premier, Ian and I worked together back in the 70s. He's always been a bit of a mentor. And I talked to Ian about it and he told me, he said, look, he gave me some great tips about being a minister and that. And, and um, 
I loved every minute of it. I was very fortunate. I had a very supportive cabinet. Uh, Colin Barnett was very supportive of me, in, particularly in the sports portfolio. He knew I knew sport well, and we got a hell of a lot done, and I'm very proud of what we achieved. The stadium. Probably yep. the biggest ticket item yep. that happened under your yep. ministership. Did we get it right? I think we did pretty well. One of my most nervous days was when the stadium opened. <laughs> I was so excited about it. Um, but I was also nervous because I, I knew that we'd be judged on whether it was successful or it wasn't. Because you kind of closed down one project to get another one going, didn't yeah. you? The, the Barnett government shut down the Carpenter government's yep. Kitchener Park stadium to, to build the one here. The one thing we – look, I think the best decision we made was to go to Burswood. What, what I'd seen is that we own the land at Burswood. When we did our stadium tour, which I got – heavily criticised for because Tuck's Junket, I think they called it. And I don't mind admitting it was a fantastic trip. Bloody but, media. But I, bloody media. <laughs> but I used to say in Parliament, well, if you're going to buy a million dollar house, you tend to have a bit of a look around, don't you? Yeah. Or if you're going to build one. It was the best thing we did as a tour because what it taught us more than anything was, yes, we saw all the things we wanted to do, but we learned a hell of a lot about things that didn't work. And that was one of the key things I think we got out of it. We also had this fan-first philosophy. It was for the fans, not not for the footy clubs or the. Well, it, this is for the fans. Um, access around the stadium was a huge point. And the one thing I learned, Mark, and I kept stressing with Colin and Colin Barnett, who backed me, we had to get the planning right. And we got criticised because we spent two years and thirteen million dollars, I think, planning. But once we got the planning right, and we had user groups, we had fan groups, we had Aboriginal groups. Um, I think we, we did okay in the end and, and I think it's success. Um, you know, there, there'll always be little bits you think we probably could have done that a bit better, but generally I think it's been a success. I'm very proud of it. Your last big venture as a sporting administrator was as the chairman of the WACA. Yep, yep. Why did you do that? And tell us a bit about why you stepped away from it. Yeah, look, I've loved cricket, you said all along. And I, you know, I work for the WACA. I've, I'd been a development officer for the WACA. You know, I'd... I'd played, coached, I'd coached at Williton in A-grade cricket. I'd been president of Willen Cricket Club. When I was sports minister, um, it was mentioned to me then, if I, whenever I finished, would I be interested in joining the WACA board? And after I finished with um, my parliamentary career, the WACA approached me and I thought, well, Tuck, it's time to give something back. So I had a wonderful five years at the WACA uh, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, I was chairman for three years. I, I'm very proud of what the WACA does, both on the cricket field and off the cricket field, and we've got an exciting development coming up. Um, yes, I did step step down. It was mainly probably for my own health and well-being. We had a few issues at the WACA with the board and some uh, some outside influence as well. But I, I was probably trying to shift, help shepherd that through, something I'm usually pretty good at, but it was getting it started to get me down. And I haven't been like that in my life before. And I started to suffer some anxiety. I actually went and saw, I went to my doctor, went and saw a, a, a mate in the mental health sector and was strongly advised that probably time to get out of it. And I made the call, for, probably for the first time in my life, I made a call for me and my family. And it was the right call. And I just wish the whacker all the best. It's good to see that John Inverarity and um, Michael Gannon now come onto the board. Uh, look, cricket in Western Australia is in great shape. Uh, Christina Matthews has done a wonderful job at the WACA. Um, she gets criticised from time to time. But if you look at the results, Cade Harvey as the um, 
the head of the the sport of sport of cricket sport, um, what he's done at the elite level. If you look at the success of WA cricket, it's it, it's humming, isn't it? Well, last year we won we won four out of the five possible titles, yep. including the women winning the um, the, the women's scorchers winning. You can't do much better than that. And uh, I guess WA cricket had been criticised because it hadn't won a shield for twenty years. We've won a shield, which was fantastic. Uh, got caught COVID at the celebrations, but that's another story. Um, but the best thing for me is the cricket at levels, I think, is in very good shape. You've got to always be um, on it and watching it, and you've got to keep coming, watching your development. But there's some great young cricketers coming through the system, both male and female, some champion young cricketers. So I think Western Australian cricket's in good shape. And you can have a rest now. Yeah, right, look, I still go. I still love it. I love the players. Uh, I, the, look at the Scorchers at the moment, the way they're playing. And having been tied up with Willerton, I'm so proud of young um, young Aaron Hardy, what 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 he's doing. He's been playing fantastically well, which is great to see. And Cam Bancroft, of course. Tuck, congratulations on a life well lived and I think a, uh, a contribution to sport in Western Australia that is, uh, that is very hard to match. Thanks for joining me on Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEN. We've been brought to you by Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Mark. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEN. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.